Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers. Welcome to another saunter. Chilly day and I'm still in isolation. Hi. <laughs> so here we go. Um, Genesis chapter 22. This is a another challenging chapter, really. There's quite a few in this book. <laughs> anyway, we're going to, I think God's going to have plenty to say to us this morning. So Lord, we welcome you as you speak to our hearts and we invite you into our homes and we want you to fill us and fill our homes and our lives with your glorious presence lord and with revelation in jesus name amen good morning kathy buenos dias floor good morning fran so chapter 22 then and this is this chapter is a mind boggler if ever there was one um it's very familiar probably to many of us but it still raises some big questions. So after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, just in case you're not sure which one we're talking about, is your only son, like, as in your only one of the promise and through your wife, Sarah. It's Isaac, the one I promised you, the one you've waited for all these years, the one you love, the one your heart's devotion is on, it's this one. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, come on. This is a massive, massive challenge. Good morning, Mary. and Good morning, Chris and Ruth. Hope you've had a lovely time away. Good morning, Pat and Mike. So this, oh man, can you believe this? God has waited all these years to give Abraham the promised child and Sarah, and they've waited and their faith has been through such an extreme kind of mincing machine. And they've just been drawn out in this journey of faith. And then they finally received the promised child and... Oh, gosh, the dog is going to need to be assassinated. (coughs) Go on, quickly. She sits right in front of the door, so when I open it, it bumps her, and then I feel guilty of dog abuse. Um, So, (laughs) anyway, right, let's back up. So, they've been through this in 
incredible process, this journey of faith, this agonizing wait, literally agonizing. And it's like we think we're waiting a long time if it's two or three years, don't we? This has been forever. And now God is saying, right, take this child to a mountain and offer him as a burnt offering. Well, this is, I, I think this is really challenging because later on in, in the book of Jeremiah, God says about child sacrifices, he says, this is a dreadful thing. It's something I've never required and it's never even entered my mind. And I kind of think, mm, I'm not sure how we get around this one. Anyway, so here we go. So he says, take this son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah or Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. This is just incredible. So I'm sure Abraham had a conflict going on inside his heart. We don't get to hear about it, although in other places of this story so far, we've heard about Abraham being troubled by things and finding things difficult. But in this particular um, particular story, we don't, the Bible doesn't involve us in that kind of turmoil that Abraham must have felt inside it doesn't involve us in any conversation he may or may not have had with Sarah I wonder whether he snuck out early in the morning to avoid seeing Sarah um but he takes the he gets the wood sorted out and he takes his son and two of his young men and the donkey and so on and on the third day verse four Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come up, come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Wow. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Oh, brave man, Abraham. He's just putting one foot in front of the other in, in just blind obedience, I guess. And he's stepping out on this journey. It would seem, some people say, the Jewish um, commentators reckon that Isaac was a young man, maybe around about 30 or something like this. So he would have been similar kind of age as Jesus was when Jesus was going to the cross. And we have so, so, so many parallels with Jesus' own journey, the Father in heaven having to having determined that there's only one sacrifice that's going to work to pay for the sins of the world. It's going to have to be his son, Jesus. And here we have this story foreshadowed by Abraham, the father, and Isaac, the son. 
And it may even be that Isaac was about the same kind of age as Jesus was at the time. Um, so according to the Jewish chroniclers and commentators, it would seem yes. Um, and even Isaac carrying the wood to kind of be the fire that was going to be underneath him, cooking him, is just so, oh, it's so painful. And it's such a graphic kind of portrayal of Jesus carrying that cross beam through the streets of Jerusalem that he was very soon going to be nailed to and hoisted up into the air as the sacrifice for sin. And Abraham has got something going on in his heart and it's like he's clinging on to faith. And he knows that a, that Isaac is the son that God has promised him. He knows that God is faithful and God's entered into an everlasting covenant with him and his descendants and his descendants through Isaac. He's already said it's through Isaac that your offspring will be named. So he knows perfectly well that Isaac is the object of promise. Now, he's waited all these years for the miracle to come. I'm sure somewhere underpinning his action is that kind of faith that somehow whatever happens today, the promise is still going to stand and I will still have Isaac at the end of it all. And in in um, Hebrews chapter 11, it says that he figured that somehow God could raise him from the dead even. And we don't. Yeah, so we don't get that from this story, but we certainly get the sense that Abraham persevered through this trial um, with a sense of faith in his heart. Good morning, Paul, and good morning, Ethan. And so it's a but it's a powerful story painful story and Abraham's statement here he says God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering my son here's the dog she's been a pest all night she's been sick and all sorts a bit of a menace really um so keep her where I can see her um and then so Isaac said to his father, my father, anyway, so he said, where, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them together. So they were in agreement. Abraham is not coercing Isaac. He's not strong arming him up the mountain. And can you imagine the guy? I mean, if, if Isaac is 30 something, that would make Isaac, um, Abraham, 130, he'd have been old. <laughs> he needed some com cooperation from, from Isaac. And when they got to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on top of the altar, on top of the wood. I'm sure he took a long time doing all of that. I'm sure he took as long as he could possibly take and then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Can you imagine? He said, Isaac, you need to get up on this altar. I know how this is going to work, but trust me, just get up on the altar, son. I can't wrestle you up there. I'm going to need you to cooperate with me. I'm going to need you to trust me. And together we're going to have to trust God that this somehow is going to work out. 
and he gets to the point literally of raising the knife but the angel of the Lord it says verse 11 gosh what a relief but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here I am and he said do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son your only son from me wow now we've talked haven't we in this saunter leading up to now about the angel of the Lord how the angel of the Lord appears to be God himself in human form appearing in the earth and speaking to people and intervening in situations and we saw him turn up with Hagar and we will see him many more times as we read through the Old Testament um, and he turns up with Gideon and Joshua and so on <clears throat> and many many people believe that the angel of the Lord is what is known as a theophany, an Old Testament appearance of God or Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son. Um, people, many people believe that he is Jesus, the pre-Bethlehem Jesus, if you like, showing up. And how incredible if this is him, because he's the one himself who will ultimately go through the um, sacrifice of himself where he actually really does die where where no one says to the heavenly father don't harm the boy but where the father has to let that process of payment for sin go all the way through he doesn't just get his card out he swipes the card and the payment goes out of his account he doesn't just put Jesus near the cross. He doesn't just get Jesus to Golgotha and say, OK, everyone, it's OK, it's all right, all go home, it's all done. No, Jesus actually is nailed to the cross. He is physically hoisted up into the air and there his life saps out from his body and he pays that price for your sin and for my sin. But this statement of Abraham that God will provide for himself the sacrifice is for God but the sacrifice is from God and this is such a profound prophetic picture in the Old Testament um, but it's so painful it gets right to our heart because we kind of say God surely you've contravened your own your own nature here you've you've asked Abraham to do something that's against your own nature and yet even in this what it's doing is looking over the top of Abraham and over the top of Isaac to the day when Jesus himself will be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world and so Abraham lifted up his eyes verse 11 uh, 13 Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So Abraham looks, and sure enough, whoa, he didn't see it before, probably wasn't there before, 
he sees this ram caught in a bush by its horns. He grabs the ram with <laughs> the most joyful tears of relief, I'm sure. And that poor ram gets it, but at least Isaac gets to go free. And Isaac and Abraham will have walked down the mountain crying and hugging and laughing and talking about all their plans and all their dreams and all their hopes and the future and everything else. And it's just such an incredible story. But Abraham calls the place Jehovah Jireh. And we've come to to use that that term to kind of say God will provide Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. And it means the Lord sees or the Lord will see. And it's interesting, isn't it, that what Abraham was doing, the Lord saw it. Now it's become developed into a kind of idea that God will provide. But the the important thing here is that God sees and God has got a solution already made. So God sees the need for a lamb and he has one already prepared. He sees the need for payment for sin. He's already taken care of it on the mount. And so it, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Or on the mount of the Lord, God will see. And so there was another mountain, wasn't there, which we've already talked about, that comes up many thousands of years later. And the Lord provides, the Lord sees the need of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so this is just such an incredible picture of all of that that we're looking forward to <clears throat> many years from the time of Abraham. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I've sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son. What Abraham has done is he's kind of echoed, he, he's mirrored the nature of God in some way in this act of obedience. He says, because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates, gate of his enemies. Now this is an interesting play on words, because offspring is a plural word, but it can also be a singular word. Um, and he's saying your offspring, plural, or your offspring, singular, which would be looking forward to Jesus, shall possess the gate of of his enemies. And so there's this prophetic messianic prophecy coming out right here, which we cover in the saunter to the stable, which incidentally, if you want to prepare yourself for Christmas, you can go to YouTube, Prayerhouse YouTube, and find the saunters to the stable from um, this time last year. And you can jump on, even though we're a couple in, and you can kind of work your way through the Old Testament prophecies um, that speak of Jesus. And this is one of them. And he says, and your offspring uh, shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so the 
ultimate fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham through Isaac, which are going to be fulfilled through the person, through the specific offspring, Jesus, is now possible. And God is saying, now we're en route for all of my promises to be able to flow into the world through your offspring who will come, which is Jesus. And so Abraham returned to his young men, having made this incredible statement of faith. We'll go and worship and we'll come back. (laughs) He doesn't say, I'll come back on my own. I'm going to go and worship with Isaac. But he's mysteriously not coming back. He makes that statement, doesn't he? He says, we're going to go and worship. And the word there is bow down. We're going to go and bow down to God. We're going to go and humble ourselves. We're going to go and prostrate ourselves before God. And then we're going to come back to you. Well, what has Abraham done? More than any other human father on the earth, he has laid everything down, hasn't he? He's prostrated himself before God. And wonder of wonders, he's returning with his son and everything intact. So, uh, so Abraham returned to the young man and they arose and went to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now, after these things, it was told to Abraham, behold, Milcah has borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother. <laughs> Great names. You can have fun with these. If you want a good name for your kids, Buzz, Uz, they're all there. Um, it's not about us. Um, right, okay, Uz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother, Kemuel, the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jidlaf, Bethuel. Bethuel fathered Rebekah. We need to know that because Rebekah's going to pop up in the story a bit later on. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Ruma, bore Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Makkah. Right. <laughs> Interesting. We're not going to say much about concubines except that Although God didn't expressly forbid polygamy in this part of the Bible, certainly is not something that ever goes well. And concubines, having a concubine is a form of, I think, sexual exploitation. That's my own commentary. (laughs) And listen, may God bless you. May God speak to your heart this morning. Listen, whatever the thing that is most precious to you, don't be afraid to surrender again to the Lord and say, Lord, I hand it over to you. I know that you'll give it back to me, but I'm bringing this thing to you as worship. I'm offering it to you, not as a, you know, kind of burnt offering, stabby kind of thing, but I'm I'm laying it down. I'm surrendering it to you, Lord, today, trusting that you'll give it me back, but trusting that your promises are going to flow into my life and your blessings going to flow into my life and trusting him with that thing that is the most precious to us. So may God bless you today. Have an amazing day, you guys. Nice to see you, Pete and Wills and Rosemary. Have a stunning day. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. 
It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. uh, Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.